Good afternoon, everyone. Can I interrupt you there? It's uh, a really great to see you and uh, glad that uh, you missed the worst of the showers. It might get heavier over, over the lunchtime, who knows? Uh, my name's Tom. Um, I'm on the leadership team here. I'm also the treasurer, uh, in case you have any questions about that kind of stuff. Um, each week, we try and have a little slot at the start just to remind us why we're here, what we're doing. And this week, we're going to think about why the Bible. So why do we meet each week and hear a Bible talk? Why don't we have a prayer meeting? Why don't we do cold contact evangelism on the streets? And as I was thinking about that, um, Obviously, the famous passage from 2 Timothy came to mind. I'll read that to us. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So as we meet each week, read the Bible, hear it explained to us, we are hoping to be equipped. We're hoping to become competent for good work. And I hope that's your hope when you come here. I hope that you come here through the rain, through the cold, expecting to be equipped. And hopefully, as you look back over the, the years or, or months that you've been coming, you can see that at work. So, um, so that's why we meet um, that's why we meet and that's why we study God's Word together. So this week we're going to continue or go back to our series which we, we, we started before Christmas actually in John's Gospel, John chapter 5 and uh, Christoph is going to explain that to us. But before we start why don't I um, lead us in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for the Bible. Thank you that we can read it in our own language. Thank you that we can meet freely and look at it together and hear it explained to us. Thank you for the big claims that it has in your word that we can be equipped and that we can be made competent. So we do pray that by your spirit you might be at work here this lunchtime and to fulfil your purposes. Amen. So I will read John chapter 5. Verses 1 to 16, which can be found in the little books. On your table. So, John chapter 5, verses 1 to 16. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethsaida, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame and paralysed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there 
and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterwards Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Um, Thanks so million, Tom. Good to see you folks. Um, Two weeks in a row, beginning to recognise faces. Um, So, over the years, folks, I've been at at gatherings where I've heard somebody try to answer a question about the Christian faith, or very occasionally I've had a go at doing that myself, like last week here at Gospel in the City. So, the way those events are sometimes billed is if you could ask God one question, and, and I know you have a series of questions you're going to have a, a look at uh, during this autumn time over the next few months. Today we're going to turn that whole thing around a bit um, and we're going to see if there might be a question that God wants to ask us. I, I think there is one in this passage and we'll come to that in just a moment. To make sure that we hear the question right, uh, I want to look a little bit at what John Uh, has recorded for us here in chapter 5 of his gospel. Jesus heals a man in these early verses in John 5. We've just read about a healing. Actually, in the last part of chapter 4, we've read about a healing as well. Uh, You did that a while ago, so I'm just reminding you of that. Um, The previous healing, chapter 4, took place away up in Galilee, up in the north of Israel. This healing now in chapter 5, takes place in Jerusalem. Uh, And John tells us here in these opening verses about this pool called Bethesda or Bethsaida, surrounded by five covered colonnades near the Sheep Gate. I'm sure you know it. Um, This is where Jerusalem's sick and disabled gathered, gathered there in the hope that they might be made well. John tells us, verse 3, I've written this talk, by the way, in a different Bible version, so some of my wording won't be exactly the same. If I say something that's clearly at odds with what you have there, shout boo or something, because you'll know I'm up to no good. But if if you can see the sense of what I'm saying, verse 3, John tells us, a great number of disabled people used to lie there. So it's kind of weird. There's a whole load of people lying there. John doesn't tell us much about the whole load of people because he immediately has Jesus going to one guy, a man who suffered from his condition for 38 years. 
kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? Why the one guy? The, the clue as to why Jesus chose the one guy might be something to do with that 38 years. If you know the story of God's people Israel, you would know that they had wandered in the desert between Egypt and Canaan, the promised land, for 40 years. There's an incident that happened after 38 years. By the time they'd reached the, the borders of Canaan, round about that time there was an incident with a bronze snake. The, the people of Israel had come under attack from poisonous snakes and God commanded Moses, their leader, uh, he said, Moses, get a bronze, make a bronze snake, put it on a pole and hold it up before the people. Anybody who looks at that bronze snake can live. It's kind of a weird story, but, but there it is. You can read about it in Numbers chapter 21. I want you to keep that story before you. Some of you may know it. Others of you have just told you about it. Because I think it's in the background here with John chapter 5. Back in John chapter 3, you could look it up while I, I refer to it. In verses 14 to 15, Jesus is speaking to a Jewish religious leader, a guy called Nicodemus. He's talking to him about how a person finds new life. And he says this, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, and everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. You can't help but think that this man, 38 years lying by the pool, somehow symbolizes Israel, 38 years in the desert, waiting for God's redemption, God's exodus. Maybe this guy actually represents the whole of humanity. We're sick. We're waiting to be healed. We're waiting for the healer to come. We'll come back to that in a moment, but notice for now that for all that this guy needs Jesus' healing, he doesn't expect Jesus to be able to heal the way he does. He still thinks, as everybody else lying around that pool does, that the healing power lies in the waters in the pool. He says to Jesus, I've no one to help me into the pool when the water's stirred. When I'm trying to get in, someone else gets there ahead of me. So there's something about these pools. People imagine that if you get in there at the right time, you, you get healed. Jesus ignores all of that. He doesn't need pools, doesn't need medicines, he doesn't need props, and he, he doesn't even need, in the last, it was similar in the last healing in chapter four, Whenever somebody wanted their, their son healed in a remote village, Jesus just healed him without even making the journey. On this occasion, Jesus doesn't lift the man into the pool. He just speaks to him. He says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. That's quite something to say to a guy who's been lying on his mat for 38 years. Do you know, do you know when this guy got on his mat? From today, 1981. He's been lying on his mat since 1981. That's a while, isn't it? Some of you weren't alive in 1981. This guy's been lying, waiting. And Jesus says, get up. John tells us the man was cured at once, picked up his mat and walked. 
folks, we shouldn't be surprised by that, that, that with Jesus, it doesn't take a trick. It doesn't take him to exert his effort. It only takes him to say stuff. I don't know if you know this about God, the power that's in his word. The Bible begins with a story of God speaking and the cosmos comes into being. God's word and his will is the strongest force in the universe. So whenever Jesus comes along, um, whenever Jesus comes along, by the way, that's God coming along. That's what John wants you to know. I'm just, I'm just telling you that. So he, whenever Jesus speaks, the same power that there is in the word of God comes to, to bear on the situation wherever he speaks. Whenever he says, get up, this man who spent his life waiting, wanting to get up, waiting for that power in his limbs, finally finds it. We said that today would be about a big question. I haven't really talked about that yet. And I want to spend the rest of our time thinking about that. I've said that this man represents Israel, but he represents each one of us. Jesus Christ approaches him and asks him a question. Do you want to get well? Or in your version, do you want to be healed? I mean, that's weird, isn't it? Guy's lying there 38 years. He's in the place where people go to be made better. And Jesus asks him, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be, get well? It's not as weird as it seems. Think about it. What happens for this guy if he is made well? Everything changes, doesn't it? There's a career change for a start. He's going to have to get a job. 38 years of lying by the pool with his palm out. He's going to have to brush up the CV and go and apply for something. His whole identity is going to change. He's no longer Bob with the disability who lies by the pool. He's now healthy Bob. Ordinary Bob, just like the rest of us. Is that, do you lose something there? To make you less interesting, less important? These are the kinds of changes that would come if Bob was going to be healed. Sorry, I'm not sure this man is called Bob. But, um, but Jesus doesn't assume that he wants to be healed, nor does he impose it. I think that's really interesting and really important. The one who has all the power in the world will not force himself on the weakest person. So the question for this man was very real. And the question for you and for me is the same. Do you want to be well? It seems to me that Jesus still asks this same question today. And, and I, I think as I lead you to think about this passage, I need to ask you that. Do, do, you, do you want to be well? I mean, do you want Jesus to come and do what Jesus does? To straighten you out? To make you good and pure and true? I'm not naively going to assume that you do. 
Let me try and focus your question, focus that question for you just now. I've got a packet of pills here, all right? And these are lying pills. So you take one of these pills and they'll cure you from ever lying again, from ever purposefully telling a lie, from ever gently pulling the wool, from ever even being economical with the truth to your advantage. Take one of these, that's all gone. You can't lie again. Do you want one? Or what if these were anger pills? Take one of these and I'll, I'll never be angry again. I won't be able to use anger to communicate to people that I'm hurt. I won't be able to use it to manipulate people to get them to give me what I want just because I'm throwing a hissy fit. Do you want one? Never angry again? Of course, those were my anodin extra, which helped me when I get a headache sometime. But what if there were pills like the ones I've just described that could cure me of my thirst for revenge, manip need to manipulate others, of lust, of middle-class apathy and complacency? Would I want the pill? Do I really want to get well? Do you see this? This is more complicated than we thought. I'm going to suggest that in many cases I, I wouldn't want to get well, or not totally well. I'd love to reserve the right to be a wee bit sick and twisted, because some of that seems important. I don't think Jesus would enter into that negotiation. When he does a job, he does it properly. Do I want to get well? Folks, it's a bit unsettling, isn't it? And it begs the question, how can we ever get healthy? How can we ever begin to find the motivation to, to get well? Well, we can look to Jesus. Everything in the Bible tells us that our God is a healer, that he makes sick people well. A few examples. No, no sooner had God brought his people out of Egypt, between he'd brought them out of Egypt and he gives them the Ten Commandments, while they're in the desert, Exodus 15, what does he say to them? I am the Lord who heals you. Psalm 103, God, the psalmist talks about the Lord in a way that shows this, this holistic way in which God approaches us. He says, praise the Lord, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Forgives sins, heals diseases. There's a lovely thing in Luke's gospel, I think it comes through maybe stronger than in John's. Jesus is going everywhere healing people and he's going everywhere forgiving their sins. And the Greek word for healer and savior is the same word. 
sozo, healer, saviour. Because to forgive a person their sins is also going to want to draw them into a world of transformation and healing and making them well. Folks, our God wants us to be healthy and well. He doesn't just want to forgive us and leave us where we are. He wants to change us and make us healthy. And he suffered. He himself has suffered to make sure that that becomes possible. Isaiah told us in his prophecy, he looked forward to a day, chapter 53, when somebody would come. Surely he took up our infirmities. He carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And what? By his wounds were healed. That's, that's where we are finally and fully made well, by the wounds of Jesus Christ. Do you remember what we talked about at the start? Chapter 3. Jesus likens himself to a bronze serpent. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus is talking about, well, you know what he's talking about. When he was lifted up, nailed to a Roman cross, crucified outside of Jerusalem. Those who believe in him find eternal life and healing. They are healed. Folks, I think we need, to, we need to see the lengths that Jesus went to for our healing. I think that's where we might just find the motivation to want that healing work in our lives. It's when we see the lengths that Jesus has gone to that we find ourselves moved to receive his mercy, his grace, his healing. So that question, that one question in our passage today, anyway, that Jesus asks each one of us, do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? Whenever we see Jesus for who he really is, we find ourselves saying this, almost despite ourselves, we say, absolutely. Please do it. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, as we've uh, looked at this passage and looked at how you've dealed with, or dealt with this uh, particular man and, and, and that question you asked him, Lord, we've realized the, the complexity of our own hearts. Lord, we, we struggle to give ourselves over to you we struggle to allow you free reign in our lives. We're worried actually about what would happen if we allowed you to make us into the women and the men that you created us to be. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see the lengths that you've gone to in your love for us. Jesus, you gave your life for us. How could you want anything other than the very best for any one of us. 
Lord Jesus, as we hear you today and any time we hear you asking us, do you want to get well? Do you want to get healthier? Give us the courage to say yes. There's nothing I want more than to be made healthier, Jesus, more like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.